This is a series on the campaigns, the mitzvah campaigns that the Rebbe launched. And there are 10 in total of the campaigns, historically speaking. This is not the 10th class. We have not been going in chronological order. But this mitzvah is the 10th of the campaigns. Uh, this was launched Chai Elul, that means the 18th day of the Hebrew month of Elul, in the year 5736, which is uh, 1976. And uh, that Hebrew date has a special significance because it is the birthday of both the Baal Shem Tov, who was the founder of the Hasidic movement, and the Alter Rebbe, who was the founder of the Chabad branch of Hasidism. And both the Baal Shem Tov and the Alter Rebbe exemplified the love of one's fellow, as well as were chief exponents in teaching and promoting the love of one's fellow. So the Rebbe launched the campaign then at that Fabrengen, at that gathering. Interestingly, um, a little bit later, meaning the following Shabbos, uh, the Rebbe spoke and clarified what the campaign was really to consist of. The Rebbe acknowledged <laughs> that the campaign may have been a little bit abstract. You see, with the other campaigns, it's pretty clear what action is supposed to be taken. For instance, tefillin campaign, put on tefillin. Shabbos candle campaign, light Shabbos candles. Mezuzah campaign, put up a mezuzah. Tzedakah campaign, give tzedakah, and so on and so forth. These were pretty tangible and actionable ideas. Back? Yes. Wow. You see? <laughs> All right, fine. I don't want to be superstitious or anything, but you see when the technology starts failing like that, you start to think maybe we're doing something super important and uh, certain forces don't want to let it through. Because this didn't happen on any of the, this didn't happen on any of the other classes about any of the other mitzvahs, and all of a sudden now we're getting uh, opposition here. Okay, so this to me is a sign that this is extremely important. Wow. Okay. So I was I was giving a little bit of the history. I was saying how um, the Rebbe acknowledged that this mitzvah campaign was a little bit uh, abstract. You know, what, what's the action that you're supposed to do from it? So the Rebbe explained that actually Avos Yisrael, loving your fellow Jew, is such a fundamental principle that it really is all-embracing. So you can't really limit it. You can't say it's this action or it's that action. It really, there's no aspect of our lives that it doesn't touch. At the same time, the Rebbe wanted to give some type of uh, tangible uh, framework for people to act on. So the Rebbe suggested free loan societies. Very interesting. The Rebbe said that every shul should have a free loan society. Every group, like every you know, uh, organization or social group should have a free loan society. And that can be the, the action item. So uh, if you're looking for a mitzvah to do, it's a bigger mitzvah to give a loan than to uh, give a handout because um, you uh, 
preserve the person's dignity and uh, if that's something that you can get involved in or get a friend uh, get a friend or two or your uh, get your shul involved in definitely it's a worthwhile activity um, but let me go back to this idea that loving your fellow is this all-embracing and general mitzvah you know we have the dictum from uh, Rabbi Akiva Rabbi Akiva, who was uh, the great scholar, he was like the Moses of his time, and he was the, 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 the leader, the foremost teacher of, of his generation in the times of the, uh, of the Second Temple and afterward. So Rabbi Akiva is one who famously said, love your fellow as yourself, which is the, the verse from uh, Vayikra, from the book of Leviticus. This is a big idea or a big principle in Torah. What does that mean? Well, one interpretation is that any mitzvah you do, whatever it is, can and must be done in a way that shows love to one's fellow. So whatever you're doing, whether it's prayer or whether it's charity or whether it's not wasting things or anything or, or, or putting up a mezuzah or um, studying Torah, whatever the mitzvah it is, can be done and must be done in a spirit of love. And that that is not just a, like, let's say, icing on the cake, like, oh, I'm following my religion's tenets, plus I'm being a nice guy. No, it's a klal godel batayra. It is a general principle, an overarching principle, so that you should and you, you can and you must do everything in your religious life uh, with a spirit of loving another. Let, let's talk a little bit more about this, what, 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 what this means. There's a, there's a passage in the Jerusalem Talmud that is talking about an oath. It's an interesting uh, passage. A person made an oath. He's mad at somebody else and he says, I don't want to have anything to do with that guy. I am swearing off any benefit from him. If he makes a party, I'm not going. You know, if he sponsors the Kiddush, I'm not attending. And there's an idea, I'm just going to give a little bit of technical background which is required to explain this, but there's an idea in halacha that if a person makes an oath, he's bound to keep it. However, it's preferable that he be released from the oath or the vow. It's more of a vow, actually. It's preferable that he should be released from the vow. Now, how do you be released from the vow? You have to go to an expert, a rabbi who is an expert in this specialty, which is releasing vows, annulling vows. And what has to happen is they have to find what's called an, an opening, a Pesach, which means something, if you would have known it at the time of the vow, you never would have made the vow. So for instance, let's just make a silly example. Somebody says, I'm not eating milchiks. I vow I'm not eating milchiks again. Okay, so it's a mitzvah to keep his word, but it's also a mitzvah that he should get released from it and then 
he no longer has to keep the word. Until he gets released from it, obviously he's bound to keep it. But if he can go get released from it, he should get released from it, and then he won't have to keep it anymore. So he goes to the rabbi and says, I made a vow, I'm never eating milchiks. So let's say the rabbi says to him, did you know that cottage cheese is milchiks? No, I didn't know that. I thought it was tofu. If I would have known cottage cheese, I love cottage cheese. If I would have known cottage cheese is milchiks, I never would have made such a vow. Ah, therefore, you're released from the vow. So that's the, the basic background. So let's say a guy got mad at his friend. He says, I'm making a vow. I don't want to have any benefit from him. I don't want to have anything to do with him. Okay. So he goes to the rabbi and says, I made this vow. So the rabbi has to find a Pesach, an opening. Something were you, have, were you to have known it at the time of the vow, you would never have made such a vow. So the Jerusalem Talmud says like this. The rabbi is supposed to ask the guy to listen to a parable. He says, here's the parable. There was a guy working in a workshop, and he was using a sharp tool. And as he was working the sharp tool, he slipped, and his strong hand, dominant hand, which was using the tool, let's say his right hand, slipped, and it was holding the tool, and it stabbed his left hand. Now his left hand is hurt. Should he grab the tool from his right hand, and with his left hand, stab the right hand? So... The person listening to the parable says, no, that's absurd. Of course he shouldn't. So the rabbi is then to say, well, that is exactly what is happening now. Because our people are one body, one single organism. And when one member of our nation hurts another, it is not only that two wrongs don't make a right, but it's even more than that. It's that the, that the same person has been twice wronged. Because you and him are not two separate people. You're one person. If I would have known that at the time I made the vow, I never would have made such a vow. Ah, you're released from the, from the vow. Now you can go to his party. Okay. Now, I want to just play devil's advocate for a second. Because the truth is, you know, we are all one creation. And there's a certain underlying oneness in all all of God's creatures. Um, you know, I remember during the Crown Heights riots, which was such a contentious time, uh, the, 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 the mayor at the time, uh, David Dinkins, came to uh, Crown Heights and he visited the Rebbe. It was in the middle of the, the, the riots. And uh, he spoke about healing these two communities. And, and the Rebbe actually said, it's one community. Now, there is such a concept, obviously, that we're all God's creatures and there's an underlying oneness to it all. So, you know, in that sense, we are to be at peace with and to promote the well-being of every living thing. And even non-living things, actually, for that matter. So what does it mean when we speak about, specifically, Avas Yisrael, loving our fellow Jew? What, is, what does that mean? You know, there's a story that, um, of a blood libel, a modern-day blood libel, actually the most recent of the blood libels. So, you know, the blood libel was a very, unfortunately, very common uh, accusation throughout the ages, chiefly in the Middle Ages, it was most common. But there was actually a modern-day blood libel in the 1900s, I think in 19, it was in the 19-teens, um, 19 probably around, around World War I, maybe right before World War I. Um, 
Yeah, it must have been. It was before the Communist Revolution. Yeah, it took place in Russia. And it was the name of the defendant was Mendel Bayliss. And they accused him of the classic uh, blood libel of killing a Christian child. Anyways, he was on trial. And um, one of the things the prosecution said is that, well, the Jewish people, according to their Talmud, they don't value non-Jewish life. And I can prove it because it says in the Talmud that... uh, Atem Kruim Adam, which literally means you, the Jewish people, are called Adam. What does Adam mean? Well, the prosecutor translated it as human being. In other words, the Jewish Talmud says only Jews are considered human beings. They don't even consider non-Jews human beings, and that's why they kill them. Okay, now the words Atem Kruim Adam do appear in the Talmud. It's true. But it doesn't mean that. But how do you explain that? So the defender, or what do you call it, the, uh, the, the, the defendant's lawyer, the, the, uh, the attorney who was the defending uh, Mendel Bayless, he was in touch with uh, various Torah scholars at the time, specifically for, for this reason, because a lot of the prosecution was trying to use religious Jewish ideas um, in, a, in a twisted way. So... He spoke to the, the, the Rosh Hashiva, um, Rav Meir Shapiro, from the Chachme Lublin. And he explained to the uh, defense attorney, here's what he should explain. And this is what he said. He said, um, there was a murder. Now, my client, the defendant, did not commit the murder, but there was a murder. I mean, they found a child, a non-Jewish child, a Ukrainian child was, was murdered. Now, for his family, uh, their life will never be the same. But I have a question. Um, in his village, did the, did the people in his village get up every single morning and say, oh no, it's so terrible, this child was murdered? I mean, it was a year or two later already. The trial went on a very long time. No, they don't. The family does, not the village. In fact, you know, uh, you know if, you, if you extend it out even more, you look at the whole Ukraine or you look at the whole uh, Russian Empire, you know, the farther away you get from, from that family, the, the less it's even on people's radar. They don't, they don't get up every morning and feel that loss. Now, I want to compare that or contrast that with something the lawyer said. Mendel Bayless, my, my client, is here on trial. And do you know, not only does every Jew here in Russia... But every Jew in the entire world, whether they're in London or in New York or in Buenos Aires, every single morning they get up and they look at the paper and they see what's going on with Mendel Bayless's trial. You know why? Because the Jewish people, for better or for worse, religious, not religious, doesn't matter. We are interconnected to that extent. And that is what the Talmud means when it says Atem Krim Adam. Adam doesn't mean human. Adam actually means a person, singular. In fact, there is no plural of the word Adam. Adam was the name of the first human. And it is the word you use to describe a person. So therefore, when it says Atam Kriyim Adam, you, the Jewish people, are called a person. You hear that? Not a people, a collective The Jewish nation is not considered a collective. The Jewish nation is considered an individual, one guy. 
Because something that happens to one Jew, no matter where he is in the world, no matter his level of religious observance, it's irrelevant. It's as if it were happening to all Jews everywhere in the world. So let, let, let's think back about that Talmud, uh, the Jerusalem Talmud, that says about the guy who made the, the oath that he's not going to have uh, benefit from his friend. And the rabbi says, well, if you were working in a workshop and one hand stabbed the other, would the other then stab the one? Of course not. Why is that specifically a parable about Jewish unity? Because that is actually the precise metaphor to describe the Jewish people. We are not a people, we're a person, a person, one guy. Kabbalistically speaking, this metaphor is used, uh, is replete in, in, in the mystical teachings. This idea of one organism, one entity, one, one being. Not a collection of, of beings who have some type of symbiotic relationship or, or, or have some type of uh, collective destiny, but one single being. And therefore, the idea of love your fellow as yourself, it's really not a simile. It's not as if they were yourself. It's actually saying, uh, love them as yourself because, got news for you, Charlie, that is yourself. We may be in many different bodies, but as the Kabbalah teaches and Chassidus explains, we are really one soul. That's what it says in chapter 32 of Tanya. Tanya is the famous book of Hasidism, especially Chabad Hasidism. So chapter 32, which in Hebrew 32 is Lamed Beis. Lamed Beis spells lave, heart. So the heart of Tanya. Tanya is a, a book about piety, about religious perfection. But the heart of it, chapter 32, Perik Lev, as we call it, is about love your fellow as, as yourself. And, and the idea there, again, is that our bodies may be many, but we are one soul. Sort of like imagine one sun is shining into a building with many windows. So you see many different shafts of light, but the spots on the floor that are lit up, they're really, they're, 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 they're directly coming from one sun. <laughs> there's, a, there's a joke about uh, this uh, teacher, this grade school teacher was teaching singular and plural word forms to, uh, to her class. So, uh, she, she says, uh, to, she writes a, a word on the board, um, shirt. So she asks one of the kids, is that word singular or plural? Shirt is uh, singular. She says, yeah, that's right, shirt is singular. And she writes down, shoes. She says to another kid, what, what's shoes, singular or plural? He says, uh, shoes, shoes is plural. So she writes down, pants. Uh, she calls on a kid, what, what's pants? The kid says, singular on the top, plural on the bottom. <laughs> so well, what, what does that mean? Singular on the top, plural on the bottom. I mean, that is a pair of pants, right? Starts as one and then it splits off into two different legs. But that's actually a pretty apt description of the Jewish people. That on the bottom, meaning down here in the physical world, we are in separate bodies. But if you trace it up to our source, to our souls, 
you'll find that we're, we're one entity, one being. And therefore, we complete each other. What does that mean, we complete each other? What that means is that we don't believe in tolerance. I got news for you. We don't believe in tolerance. You know why? Because tolerance means eh, you're kind of weird, you're kind of different, you have nothing to offer us, but we're nice. We'll let you play with us. We're tolerant. That's not what we're into. We're not into tolerance. We are into uh, interconnectedness. Interconnectedness means that you have something that we don't have. Your uniqueness is indispensable. We require your contribution. So, you know, think about it like this. Tolerance is sort of like, you know, you're different than us, but, you know, we're tolerant. We'll let you hang out with us. Uh, Inter-inclusion or interdependence means you're different than us. And that's precisely why we need you, because you're different than us. You have something we don't have. You know, there was this interesting character who used to hang out at the Fabrengens, at the Rebbe's Fabrengens in the early 80s, called the Coach. His name was Abe Zacks, and he was the coach of the Harlem Globetrotters, a Jewish guy. And it's a whole interesting story how he even came to Lubavitch. He actually was watching one of the Rebbe's Fabrengens on satellite, and he lived out in Long Island somewhere, I'm not even sure where, but he saw the Rebbe on TV, and he became enamored, and he came out to Crown Heights, and he said, I have to see the rabbi from the TV. And they said, well, uh, you know, you can't really just walk in and see him, but, you know, if you wait until the afternoon prayer, you'll see him come out. He says, great. He didn't understand decorum. He didn't know the protocol. He just figured, rabbi's coming out for the afternoon prayer. That's his chance to, uh, you know, to accost him. So he waited. It was like hours. He came in the morning, and uh, they, they said, you know, it's, it's, it's not going not gonna to be for hours. He said, I'll wait. And he stood in front of the rabbi's office, and he waited. Finally, the rabbi came out for mincha, for the afternoon prayer. And this guy, the coach, he was an interesting guy. He was just very vibrant and kind of like a character. He makes a beeline right up to the rabbi. Now, it's interesting. In 770, you would see t- sometimes people run away from the rabbi. You know, like, like they were in awe. So that they would go, they would go hide. But he, 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 went, he ran right at the rabbi. I, I mean, I wasn't there when this happened. But my friend, who was subsequently appointed to be the driver to pick up the coach in Long Island and bring him to every Fabrengen, he was there and he saw. He was standing right there. He said it was the strangest thing. This guy runs right up to the rabbi and he says, Rabbi! My name's Abe Zacks. I'm the coach of the Harlem Globetrotters. And everyone standing around was like, whoa. It's like, okay, this is very interesting, right? He's just running up to the Rebbe and he's all loud and he's like telling the Rebbe he's a basketball coach. Like, what's the Rebbe even going to respond? And of course, you know, the Rebbe took it in stride because, you know, you'd expect that, right? The Rebbe didn't get, you know, uh, the Rebbe wasn't taken, uh, caught off guard or like... Uh, you know, uh, the Rebbe didn't, uh, you know, show any type of discomfort or any type, anything like that. But even more than that, the Rebbe's response, <laughs> the Rebbe's response was just so perfect. Without missing a beat, the Rebbe looks at this guy in almost like, not mean, but like a very serious kind of like facial expression and tone. The Rebbe looks at this guy, says to him in English, in a very like serious tone, Good, I need a coach. Good, I need a coach. You understand the brilliance of that? If you would have gone around 770 
and taken a poll from everyone there. Hey guys, what could we add to the Fabrengens to really you know, liven things up, to really take us to the next level? I promise you, no one was gonna say, oh, let's get the coach of the Harlem Globetrotters to come to the Fabrengens and cheer and like, you know, no one was gonna say that. But this character shows up, runs up to the Rebbe, my name is Abe Zaks, I'm, I'm the coach of Harlem Globetrotters, and the Rebbe doesn't say to him, okay, somebody find this guy a place to stand. No, 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 the Rebbe's like, Good, I need a coach. Like, almost annoyed. Like, almost like, you're the coach? Then where have you been till now? <laughs> if you're the coach, that means every time we had a Fabrengi till now, we didn't have, we didn't have our coach. <laughs> so that's the difference between tolerance and um, interdependence. Tolerance says, okay, fine, we'll overlook your differences. We'll make room for you. No, no. Interdependence means... Because we've spotted your difference, we're intrigued. We realize, ah, we've been missing something till now. We were missing you. I saw a sign. I'm sure a lot of people saw this sign. I don't think it's that original. But it said uh, SH space L. And it says, uh, all we're missing is you. Right? Shul. S-H-U-L. Shul. All we're missing is you. Maybe even I saw it at Chabad. So I saw it. Um, anyway, anyways, but it's a true statement. It's not just cute. It's a true statement. The inter-inclusion or the interdependence of the Jewish people one to the other is literally like the organs of a body. So it's not like the heart tolerates the liver. Okay, you're not like me, you're not a heart, but okay, I'll let you be part of this body. The heart depends on the liver. And, and not even vital organs, even the little toe. You know, it's not like, oh, we'll tolerate the little toe. No, the little toe has a, has a purpose, it has a function, and we depend on the little toe to do its job. And that's really the most precise metaphor. We are one organism. Atem kruyim adem, you are a guy. The whole Jewish people is one guy. And when we don't have any member present and involved and engaged so the whole organism is lacking so you understand it's not just like okay be nice to him you know be be, be play nice with others don't be mean don't don't uh, don't be snobby it's much deeper than that my wholeness my integrity is impossible to achieve without a relationship with every single other Jew even those Jews that I don't like. Even those Jews who have hurt me personally. And they have hurt me. And I won't pretend that, I ha that, that they haven't. It hurts. But what should I do now? Be hurt twice? Be hurt twice? Because to cut them off or to write them off is removing a part of myself and I cannot be whole. So this is not simply, uh, you know, about getting along with others and having a well-oiled social machine. That's not what it is. It's about the wholeness of each individual. No individual Jew can be whole without a relationship with every single other Jew. And that's why we were talking about earlier, that the love of your fellow Jew is a major principle in all of Judaism, because unfortunately, 
although it is common, it is actually a complete misunderstanding of the entirety of Judaism that I should use religiosity in any way as a wedge between me and another Jew. Because you're missing the whole point. Of course we have standards. Of course we believe in halacha and we have to adhere to halacha. Obviously. But at the same time, we have to find the most loving and compassionate way to be halachic. And not to write people off, and not to be antagonistic or dismissive, but to bring them in and to say, well, it's my observance that compels me to write off other Jews. No, don't say that. That's actually the antithesis of Judaism. The, 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 the essence of Judaism is the integrity and the wholeness of the Jewish people. So if you're using religiosity to write off other Jews, you're actually missing the point of all the mitzvahs that you're doing. I'll tell you a story. Maybe I'll conclude here. The Alter Rebbe had a son, Dov Ber, who was his eventual successor known as the Mitle Rebbe. And there was once a Fabrengen, in, uh, in Liazhna, maybe it was in Liadi, there was two different cities where the Alter Rebbe spent a lot of time. At any rate, at this Fabrengen, the Alter Rebbe was not present. It was a Fabrengen of Chassidim. The Chassidim themselves were gathering. And one of the Chassidim got up, um, and one of the, the letters of the Fidik Rebbe, it says actually who the Chassid was. It was Rebbe Aretz Rasheler. And those who are familiar with Chabad history know that Rebbe Aaron was a big maskil, he was a, a scholar, he was, uh, you know, without getting into the whole history, he was, he was a great scholar, a very, very erudite, brilliant genius, and, uh, and, uh, and, uh, and a, a, a devoted disciple of, of the Alter Rebbe, of the Balatanya. And it was this Rebbe Aaron was crying at the Fabrengen and saying, Hashem... Please give me Avas Hashem. He was weeping like he was like broken. I want to have more love of God. Now, I promise you, whatever degree of love of God Reb Aaron had, you know, if we experienced it for two seconds, it would blow us away. This is a man who studied mysticism and meditated on it and prayed all day. Okay? Reb Aaron Strachella, he, he never ate ice cream, he never ate pizza. His entire life, there was nothing physical about his life. It was all spirituality. It was all spent meditating on the oneness of God. And he's crying, I want more Avas Hashem. I want more love of, of Hashem. And at that moment, the Mitler Rebbe, the Alter Rebbe's son, got up. And he started crying and said, Hashem, give me Avas Yisrael. Give me love of a Jew. Give me love of a Jew. So the Chassidim were a little perplexed, you know, they, they were moved by both of these uh, sites, but they started discussing between them, you know, Reb Aaron was crying, he wanted more Avas Hashem, more love of God, and uh, the Mitle Rebbe was crying, he wanted more Avas Yisrael, he wanted more love of his fellow Jew. Which one was right? You know, the classic, uh, you know, Jewish debate. 
you know, Jews always debate. So, you know, it's not, not like either answer is too shabby, right? Uh, loving God or loving your fellow Jew. They're both, neither of them is chopped liver. But if you have to pick, like, who was right? If Aaron was crying for one thing, the Mitlareb was crying for another, who, who was right? So after a few weeks, they had an opportunity to go into the Alter Rebbe. And uh, they asked the Alter Rebbe the question. I don't know if they told the Alter Rebbe the whole story in the context, but they asked the Alter Rebbe the question. They, they said, what is greater, love of God or love of your fellow Jew? And the Alter Rebbe said immediately, um, it's a clear, explicit verse in the Torah. Ahafti eschem. There's a verse, God says, I have loved you, speaking to the Jewish people. God loves the Jews. And therefore, you must love whom your beloved loves. So which is the greater of the two loves? Is loving the Jews. Because God loves the Jews. So if you want to love God, love the Jews. You're loving the one who your beloved loves. In other words... Don't go to God and say, God, I love you so much, but I don't like your kids. Get out of here. Don't, you know, you, you imagine saying that to a human being. You know, I like you. You're good, but your kids, uh, they're rotten. Don't, don't compliment me. I, I, don't, I don't need your admiration. Better you tell me that I stink and that you love my kids. So don't tell Hashem, oh, Hashem, I love you. I want to do your mitzvahs, but I don't like hanging out with your children. No. Tell Hashem that you love his children. And that is also telling him that you love him. So you get the best of both worlds. And really, you know, that's just such a simple, it's difficult. Simple doesn't mean easy. Simple doesn't mean easy. It's not easy, but it's simple. Simple, it's not complicated, is what I'm saying. Simple means not complicated. Doesn't mean it's easy. Could be difficult, but it's not complicated. It's very simple. We should always use the klal godel batayra, the general overarching principle of Torah, as our guide. Whatever we're doing, is it inclusive? Is it sensitive? Is it empathetic? Or at the very least, at the very least, sympathetic? Are we taking other people's feelings into account? Now, we are human, and we are imperfect, and we will fail. And it will always happen that we'll end up getting hurt and hurting others. But uh, we try to get back on track. And we keep ourselves on track by reminding ourselves it has to be loving. It has to be inclusive. Whatever we do, whatever we do. If it's not inclusive, we're missing the boat. It has to be inclusive. I just want to say also how touched I am about the, the turnout here. I see a lot of people came for the class, and I know a lot of different, there's a lot of different groups that came here for different reasons, and you know that itself is beautiful. And it's like a little taste, a little microcosm of, of what can be achieved. And we got to just open it up more. And, you know, God willing, we'll have a Zoom with the entire Jewish people on it. When Mashiach comes, 
we'll have, you know, it won't be Zoom, it'll be face-to-face, -face. we'll be in the Holy Land, in the Holy City of Jerusalem, with the, with, the, with the Holy Temple, and we'll all be united, every Jew of all stripes, all flavors, all backgrounds, and we'll just all be together, truly united, um, down here as we, as we are above. So, God willing, let it be soon. And, and, and our love of each other helps to bring it about that it will be soon.